Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Before we begin, just a massive thank you to however you are listening to this. We really do appreciate your support. We record the podcast every Monday and if you do enjoy it, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Why not drop us a review while you're there? Good evening and welcome to The Game Line, Wales Online's live rugby debate show. My name is Matt Southmoon and I'm delighted to be joined by our rugby writer, Ben James. We are streaming live to our Facebook and our YouTube channels and this stream will also be available as a podcast if you want to catch it later on. Wales have lost then 32-9 uh, to Ireland out in Dublin. It's their sixth defeat in a row. Um, pressure's coming on to Wayne Pivak. Ben, the first question... Uh, I, I guess, well, the, the title on this post is Where Did It Go Wrong for Wales? And the first one in the chat, uh, Dan Lewis, everywhere. Uh, um, I mean, can, can, can you elaborate on anything that Dan said? It's hard to disagree with Dan there, to be honest. Um, let, let's start with the first half. I mean, the penalty count was 10 penalties against Wales. So just a lack of discipline sort of killed us in, in that regard. Um Defensively, I didn't think we were too bad, but there were still sort of key errors at the times. Breakdown, we were still losing the collisions. The line-out is a complete shambles, and it probably has been even before Pivak and, and Humphreys, you, you'd say. You know, I think even in the last year of Gatlin's time in charge, the line-out wasn't great, but Wales didn't need to rely on the line-out as much in what Gatlin was doing as what Pivak's trying to do, and that's just probably exposed more. You know, Wales are trying to make the, the, the line-out an attacking platform, and when that doesn't work... Wales don't have an attacking platform, so that didn't work. Um, just everything, really, the aerial battle. Now, this is the third game in the row where Wales just haven't looked really at it when it comes to kicks and collecting kicks. So, yeah, I think um, I think the answer of everything is just about right. Let's try and keep it uh, clean in the chat if we can. <laughs> I know everybody's uh, a little bit frustrated by that. You, you touched on a, a lot of issues there, Ben. Um, I think we can all agree that the scrum was a major problem for Wales. Um, seemed to be penalty after penalty. Wales never got into the game in that first half. Um, Rhys Carey got himself on the wrong side of the referee, um, rightly or wrongly. Uh, Andrew Porter having a lot of joy against him and then he got the hook, did Carey, on 39 minutes. Um, you know, it's always a statement if a player is replaced at halftime. Um, what did you make of that substitution? And, and is that almost an admission from Wayne Pivak that he got it wrong. A lot of people before the game were saying that Carey perhaps shouldn't have started this when Wynn Jones, the superior scrummager, was probably the better call. Is is this, you know, is this one that Pivak's gonna have to take on the chin? Um, I think so. I think I think it was an admission of getting the selection wrong. I remember Mark Ring did a, a piece for us the other day about um, who he would pick to face Ireland, and he went with Reese Carey and Rob Evans in the front row. And it felt to me that was very much a, a flyer half picking a front row if ever I saw it, because to me, I don't think either of them props are really renowned for their scrummage, and I think Carey showed that tonight. Um, he, he got on the wrong side of Reynal when it came to binding, and yeah, I, you know, I think people will probably look to have a go at Pivak for, for, for ruining the confidence of a young player. I mean, at the end of the day, Wales had a, a, a scrum five metres out from the line. If, if you identify a problem, it's probably time to change it, regardless of what the time is on the clock. But in, in doing so, he did acknowledge that there was something wrong with his initial selection. And I suppose that that, that sort of feeds throughout the, the scrum, it feels. You, you look at a lot of the players maybe he started 
in that scrum. And, and, and so it felt like a few of them were the wrong way around. I think Jake Ball should be starting games. Um, maybe Sam, well, Samson Lee or Thomas Francis, you, you can, you can choose either or there. Uh, but it, it just feels like there's a couple of players who are maybe impact players who are starting while the, the probably starting players are on the bench. Common coming in here from David Lee saying D. Wynne Jones and Samson Lee fronted up. Things certainly improved in the scrum when those three came on. Obviously, D and Samson Lee coming on a little bit later than Wynne Jones. I mean, you know, you, you touched on it there. You know, Reese Carey is not the first and won't be the last prop to get the hook. Um, Perhaps earlier than he might have expected. Have expected, but you know, in all seriousness, what what sort of impact is this going to have on him? Because you know, Carey was a player who came from nowhere really to to get into the World Cup squad last year. You know, widely regarded as a fantastic player, and we, you know, we all see his potential. But you know, that that's a night that may stick with him for a while. It, it probably will do. I, I seem to remember that Adam Jones used to get uh, taken off quite early on, but under Steve Hansen, um, and I don't think he was particularly enamoured by that. So it's one of them things, you know, it, it's tough for a prop. Of course, Adam Jones then got taken off by Gallon in his 100th cap, um, and he was off the Christmas card list for quite a while then. It, it is tough for props. Um, it, but it, it's tough for Pivak as well, isn't it? I mean, do, do you... Do you effectively let Ireland have four or five scrum resets at, at Reese Carey there, or, or do you make the change, which admittedly maybe he should have made before the, the, the first whistle, but when he named the team earlier in the week? So it, it, it's tough, really. You know, making the change, then you are admitting that you've you've got your selection wrong, aren't you? Yeah, as we've touched on, there's a lot of lot of comments in the coming in, say you know, suggesting that Wayne Pivak's in a bit of bit of bother here. Um, you know, we touched on it six six in a row now. Um, Wales look pretty aimless at the moment. Um, it's not going well. He's, you know, his defence coach is gone. You know, should Wayne Pivak now be looking over his shoulder? Is you know, this seems ridiculous that within a year of his appointment, you know, we are talking in, in these terms, but. You know, is is there a, a real danger here that, that Wayne Pivak could be on the chopping block? Uh, I think, of, of course, there's a danger, isn't there? I think, um, especially since he's dispensed with one of his coaches in the last week, it's probably set a bit of a ticking clock on him now, hasn't it? In terms of now he's really got to make things work because he's already got rid of someone that he's worked with for six and a half years. Um, what it could come down to, to be honest, is finances. You know, do the union see them losing more money over the next year or so with Six Nations finishes compared to what they'd have to pay out with compensation because obviously he's got a break clause next year. So if they think they can get through to next year and then, you know, part ways at, at, at this two-year point, maybe they'll do that. If they think it's less financially viable to do that, he may well go. Um, we'll just have to wait and see, won't we? We will indeed. Adam Taylor coming in with a comment saying Carey will learn from tonight massively. Um, I think we'd all agree uh, that it will be a massive learning curve uh, for Reese Carey. Uh, you just hope he hasn't uh, dented his confidence uh, too much. Uh, you know, a lot of people in the section, comment section saying that you know, he needs to be learning his scrummaging trade at regional level. Um, otherwise, he leaves himself susceptible to this sort of thing. But let's not forget. You know, he went to the World Cup last year and, and held his own. Interesting comment here from Nathan Long. The 10-12 the axis needs to change bigger and Watkin offer nothing. 
Um, is that something you would go along with, Ben? Or, you know, is there an argument that perhaps, you know, when Wales are not playing on the front foot, it's very difficult for the fly half and, and his backs to, to look any good at all? I mean, this is the thing. I think I saw someone tweet tonight, you know, when when one and two aren't doing too well, it's very hard to judge three to 15. That's probably the case for a lot of this autumn. It's been hard to judge what Dan Big has done in attack. Same with Owen Watkin. I think when we saw Wales click into some form of what they want the attack to be, as you say, between that 50 and 65 minute mark, it looked good. I thought Wales, you know, Pivak, the way Pivak wants to play the game, you basically want all 15 players to be able to slot in anywhere. So Owen Watkin can come in and slot in at, at 10. Dan Bigger can be himself effectively what is a short ball option, like a forward run. And then you've got people like Tiprick outside. So when you play with tempo, people can slot in and it holds the defence in different ways. I think Watkin looks, from what I've seen, looks fairly suited to that, even if it was a... I think he's, I think he's been quietly decent in, in poor teams over the last two games. Uh, bigger, it's it's always, you know, we, we say we can't judge bigger based on f- back football. And, and, you know, Wales has a tendency anyway of, de- you know, denouncing the man who's in possession of the jersey. But I thought when Wales were going through those spells of possession, he didn't really occupy the defence as well as some fly halves might have. You know, you think back to when this worked with Pivak, it worked because someone like Reese Patchell was a running threat from 10. So he could, you know, take on defences and even, you know, run at them. And then, you know, Scott Williams, Hadley Park, Jonathan Davis would step in at first receiver on the next phase. That sort of all-court game, I'm not sure it's there with Bigger. I think Bigger is more traditional fly-half. He keeps himself in the game probably by holding it, you know, just on the back foot a little bit, giving the pass and, and, and moving around to the next phase. I'm not sure that necessarily works with what Pivak's trying to do. I want to bring in another comment here from uh, uh, Kaz T., uh, our set piece in general looked poor. Is that down to the players or the coaches? Now, you know, we, we've picked apart Reese Carey and we've talked about the line out. You know, we, we know Byron Hayward lost his job last week. Uh, one man we haven't spoken about is forwards coach Jonathan Humphreys. You know, how much how much of the blame lies at his door? And, and you know, should he be feeling the heat as well? I mean, we, you know, we've seen what happened to the defence coach and, you know, Wayne Pivak touched on it in the week. The attack hasn't looked particularly flash either, uh, was what he said. Well, <laughs> the line-out or the scrum ain't looking great either. Yeah, I think I, I definitely agree. Um, with the line-out, as, as I mentioned before, it's, it's it's something that hasn't been great for a while. I think when we won the Grand Slam last year, we had statistically the worst line-out in the Six Nations. That just goes to show how Gatland had a tendency to maybe compensate elsewhere for what, the line-out was or wasn't doing. In fairness to Robin McBride, the year before 2018, it was the best line-out statistically in Test Rugby. So it used to fluctuate a bit and, and Gatlin's game plan wasn't built then to live or die by the line-out. I think what we're seeing with Humphreys is he's wanted to be a bit more adventurous. I think in the Six Nations, we saw him take Tiprick out of the line-out and have him as a midfield option. We're still seeing that. Obviously, Tiprick's the go-to safe ball. You know, I think when the line-out's going wrong, the first option is throw to Tiprick because that's pretty much, you know, that's safety, that is. So that's not going well. I think it, we've, we've seen in defensive line-outs, it's, it's not quite there. And I think that comes down to coaching. You know, I think in the Six Nations, France scored from a driving mall where Johnny McNichol was sort of defending in a five-metre channel. You'd expect a forward. Tonight, we saw Lloyd Williams defending a guard from a mall. So... It, it just goes to show the players are popping up maybe defensively in a, a lineouts where they 
shouldn't really be and that, that probably comes down to coaching I'm Sam Warburton and you're listening to the Welsh Rugby Podcast Alright let's let's try and search for one or two positives and in, I've got in one. that sort of go on well had, had the original autumn schedule uh, been on course we've been playing New Zealand tomorrow <laughs> that, that is a positive um, in the sort of 10 minutes after Lloyd Williams came onto the field um, whether it was you know whether it was his presence or not Wales did look and suddenly found a bit of rhythm uh, ultimately didn't cause Ireland too many problems but you know I don't have the specific statistic but that felt to me like the longest passage of play that Wales have held on to the ball for since the autumn began um, you know, Elliot D came on and, and hit his line out early, although one did go awry later on. Uh, Samson Lee came on, showed up the scrum. Jake Ball came on and, and gave Wales a bit of go forward. In that sort of 10-minute period, even though Wales didn't score, at least you could get a sense of what they were trying to achieve, which in my book is progress. Yeah, definitely. I think, as I mentioned before, you, you could see what they were trying to do with the attacking game plan and the blueprint. Um and it probably does come down to a few factors. You mentioned, obviously, Jake Ball was a positive. D was a positive, hitting his line outs. Samson Lee showing up the scrum. Um, Wales also managed to get on top of the breakdown early on in the second half. I think they had about four or five breakdown penalties in quick succession, which kept the the, the pressure on Ireland. You know, they knew that they couldn't really afford to do much at the breakdown. It also gave them possession and territory. And then, yeah, going forward, I thought Lloyd was pretty quick with his service which is he's just getting the ball away from rucks quicker uh, which you know is interesting I think we, we probably had this at times over the last couple of years I remember the last time we were you know pretty heavily defeated in Dublin two years ago Gatlin pretty much hung Gareth Davis out to dry didn't he basically saying that the scrum halves weren't fit enough for his liking after that match so we, we, we've been here before with this um and it, 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 it's strange when you consider that a man who wasn't even on the radar of the, the scrum half debate at the start of the month or at the start of the autumn is, is now looking after this game like the man most capable of delivering Wales's game plan. Yeah, well, let's touch on that a little bit more then. Um, yeah, we've got a comment in here from uh, Walter Soloway. Lloyd Williams is a lot faster getting the ball away from rucks. And then the, the very next one, Damian Williams, not sure if there's a relation there, maybe there is, uh, put Lloyd at nine and put Reese Webb on the bench. You know, it, the, the plan all along in this autumn was always that Lloyd Williams would come in if there was an injury and overtake Kieran Hardy. Both players were aware of that. Whether you agree with that or not is up to you. Um are we realistically talking about Lloyd Williams now, a guy who, you know, fairly or unfairly is, has been criticised a lot for his performances at regional level over the last few years? You know, he's come from nowhere. Obviously, he had something like 25, 26 caps uh, a couple of years ago. He's played at two World Cups. You know, is he now perhaps the favourite to start? You know, I, I suppose against Georgia, it, you know, it could be any side, couldn't it? But in a full-strength Wales 15, is he in position to start? I think for starters against Georgia, they have to go with Kieran Hardy now. I think the way that they've they brought Lloyd in, uh, which you know, sort of relegated Kieran Hardy to fourth choice. I think they'd have to to give him, you know, throw him a bone, so to speak, and, and give him the start or at least a bench spot. In terms of Lloyd moving forward, it's I mean, to to come away from you know, not his last cap before the Scotland game was against Japan in 2016, so. 
it would be some return if he could, you know, force himself back into to full on contention to start. Uh, I think it's it's probably too early to sort of see where we, I think he's going to be involved a lot simply because Wales aren't generating any form of go forward in terms of the breakdown collisions or anything, and so. Lloyd helps that. I think when if Wales start to fire on all cylinders, maybe Gareth Davis or Reese Webb would be the better options. But we're not there at the minute, are we? No, we certainly aren't. One concern, um, one of the concerns, really, to come out of that game, Jonathan Davis picked up an injury. Um, now, <laughs> I've had some comments. I can't remember who it was, but I've seen one or two pop up saying asking whether or not Jonathan Davis and, and Dan Bigger were finished. Um, Perhaps a bit premature that, but Jonathan Davis seemed to have an issue with his knee. We're not sure what it was yet, and we're going to speak to Wayne Pack shortly to find out just what the gist was. But if he's got another knee problem, that's a concern, isn't it? Absolutely it is. I mean, he's he's had his fair share of knee injuries. Um, you know, you, you yourself, Matt, someone who can appreciate injuries in rugby, given <laughs> the, the multitude you've surely had over the years. But... Um, yeah, to, to 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 barely be back really, and, and to suffer another injury, we don't know how serious it is, but that's that's you know just a massive blow for him, you know, because what he, what he needed was was game time, you know. I think I think people expected a lot more of Jonathan Davis in this autumn series so far, probably unfairly when you consider he's been out for for a year with a serious knee injury. I think there was points after last year's World Cup where he, he thought, you know, his career could be over. So, you know, I think expecting him to be back to the Jonathan Davis of 2017 is is a bit much. But certainly, you know, this is a, another massive setback. But, you know, if we're sort of, you know, blue sky thinking and being positive and all that, it gives Nick Tompkins a chance to get back into the team. It possibly gives, you'd expect, well, Johnny Williams, you'd expect to come in for the Georgia game. He could be the sort of midfielder we're looking for at 12, someone who can hit the line hard and carry, but also have a bit of playmaking options out the back. So it's, you know, it's never good to see a player injured, is it? And it's going to be tough for Jonathan Davis to to sort of come back from this when we find out sort of how serious it is. All right, let's let's move on towards the, the conclusion. And there's a lot of comments coming in. Sorry, we can't get to all of them, but we've got to shoot it off soon to to get to the uh, the virtual press conferences. You, you touched on it there. There's is Nick Aaron here asking for Johnny Williams at ten. Let's look ahead to that Georgia game, man. Uh, it's in a week. You know, Wales have got a you know just over a week to sort of lick their wounds here. What what can we expect? You know, if sh- surely that's a game. I mean, you dread to think what might happen if, if Wales don't come out on the wrong side of that. But you know, we'd expect a bit of an experimentation for that game, wouldn't we? I, I think so. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what England do to Georgia this weekend. Because obviously Scotland played them a couple of weekends ago and Georgia weren't really much cop, to be honest. And if you think back to when sort of Warren Gatland played teams like Georgia, sort of the, the, the banana skins, because of the way... Gatland liked his Wales team to play largely without possession of the ball and defensively. They often got sucked into quite sort of arm wrestles against the likes of George. You think back to that game where I think they nearly they nearly drew with it on a, on a late penalty try claim late on. Maybe with a Pivac team, obviously they are very low on confidence. We can see that just from the body language, but maybe a Pivac team, a bit like a Ryan Giggs team in football taking over from Chris Coleman, is more likely to rack up the score against the lower teams, you know, beat Italy 42-0, racked up a lot of points against the Barbarians and then struggle in the sort of the bigger game. So 
it wouldn't it wouldn't totally shock me if Wales came out and actually did a decent job on Georgia next week just because of where this Wales team is probably at in terms of how it approaches games compared to a Gatlin team. Um, but yeah, you'd expect some changes. I'd expect Sheedy to start, uh, Johnny Williams. I'd give Johan Lloyd definitely a place on the bench. Um, and yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe hopefully someone like Navidi can come back and we can give him some minutes before the England match. I'd be tempted maybe to try Wainwright at eight again, like they did in the World Cup. I thought Falatau actually had a decent second half tonight. There's been obviously there's been a lot of criticism about Falatau, and he, he did look largely anonymous over the autumn. But I thought he had a decent second half. So it'd be interesting to see what they do for the Georgia game in terms of experimentation. I think there's going to be a temptation to sort of circle the wagons and, and get into this mindset of must-win games, which I don't think has done as much too good over the last few weeks, has it? No, it certainly hasn't. But there we go then. Uh, again, Wales losing 32-9 to Ireland out in Dublin. There's going to be a lot of fallout from this. Thank you very much for your comments coming in. Uh, sorry we couldn't get to all of them. And uh, sorry, it's a, a pretty short, sharp show for us this evening. Um, but we've got to get to the uh, the press conference where we'll be speaking to head coach Wayne Pivak and captain Alan Wynne-Jones. And a few players will be out to face the media as well. You can catch all of that on Wales Online. 